Sergeant and Mrs. Smith, you are going to love this house. Is that a tub in the kitchen? There's no field manual for finding the right home. But when you do, USAA Homeowners Insurance can help protect it the right way. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Worlds Collide, a wrestling card podcast for wrestling fans by wrestling fans. Featuring Tony Bella from WrestlingTradingCards.com. This is like a, a stock market. Like- and Zan Morning from Wrestling With Cards on YouTube. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer. I'm just posing the question. Join them as they navigate the world of wrestling cards, helping you build a bigger and better collection and making some money along the way. What's up, wrestling fans, trading card collectors? Back again, another week, another episode. Me and Tony made it once again. You know, it's always like, even though we have to record these in batches as we have time, it's always like making it right in there to the deadline of recording and editing and getting these up there. So you guys are lucky we're out there. I'm glad. Thank you for sticking with us every single week. Because we all know <laughs> you guys are lucky we're out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it's we're, you're lucky to be able to hear us. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, we're always that's 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 Zan and I. We're always threading the needle, man. The pleasure is all yours. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like true heels. Yeah. All right. So today, speaking of heels, I'm sure we'll get a little bit of heat for this. We we seem to do this periodically. People don't like our takes and opinions, and that's great. The most, Thank God you get the feedback because I certainly don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably good for you on your sake sometimes. The the most and least liquid wrestling cards. And some people like to come at me and talk about investment, money, and stuff like that. And then we have the crowd that likes to talk about, hey, I'm just a collector. I don't like this talk about money. So we like to mix in, in the topics here and there. And today we're going to talk about that. So, liquid- But, 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 but um, Uncle Zan, can you please tell me? What does what kind of liquid are we talking about? And this is coming from the guy who started wrestling cards rule. That that that, that <laughs> opinion is right there. <laughs> All right. So what we're meaning by li- liquidity in these cards is the like the friction of being able to get in and out of them. So if you buy a card, are you going to be able to sell it tomorrow, regardless of what that amount is? Is this a card that sells every single day? Is this a card that transacts once a year? If that. Is this a card that has never actually had a sold listing, whether private or public? That's really what the liquidity means. And today we're going to highlight some cards that are maybe a little bit more liquid for those of you out there who are like, I don't like stocks. I don't like crypto. I want to put my money in something where I know it's, you know, quote, safe, meaning that they might get a better return on that than they would their savings account, but they aren't necessarily looking to like make thousands of dollars on or 10x or whatever so we're going to talk about some of those and then we're going to talk about this is where i think we're probably going to get some heat some cards that aren't as hard aren't as easy to transact with that seem to get a lot more hobby headlines me and tony have talked about that a little bit just through text messages or offline about you know there's these cards out there that people clamor for but yet once they go up for sale it's like nobody's wants them all of a sudden so uh, anything you want to touch on before we get started on talking about this topic today no this is uh, way more up your alley than mine because i'm you know you're you're heavy into this kind of stuff than i am i i learned through uh, uh, talking with you watching your sales uh listening to other people and seeing how they're moving things around so like that so i i'm getting i'm constantly learning more about this entire market and how it works kind of thing so i mean the basic premise of it is pretty simple and easy to understand really it's just uh kind of Again, like anything else in this hobby and anything else in life, uh, it's just kind of doing your homework and yeah. uh, 
trying to uh, understand what you want to invest in, I guess, or move quickly if you can. And I think it's important that we cover some of this stuff periodically because wrestling cards, unlike a lot of other segments of the hobby, there are less people thinking about these kinds of things, I think, within wrestling cards. And I'm not saying you've got to take what we're talking about today. Hey, this episode may not even be for you. And that's okay if it's not. It's just we like to give these perspectives that are hopefully going to help people, whether it's how to buy and sell and flip, how to invest, what's a liquid card, what is super collecting. Like all of these things make up the hobby and we have to have all of them to go around. So uh, we're going to kick things off. I mean, if we do 30, 35, 40 minutes of this topics yeah. like that, and you, and you take away one sentence that we said, and here's like that is something that you can use, then it was worth the 35, 40 minutes. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what me and Tony keep making it in barely by the deadline every single time to hopefully provide you guys with value and keep these shows coming out and, and grow in the pie, grow in the listener base, grow in the knowledge that collectors have, again, regardless of what route they're taking within the hobby because it's all good no matter what you're going to do regardless of what some people out there with loud voices on social media may say so today we're going to talk about the liquid cards we're going to start with that i immediately go to 82 all-stars hogan flair andre that's like my go-to like those cards in any condition in any grading company slab for the most part as long as they're not those lame reprints out there that we've seen yeah those cards are seem to transact all the time for different amounts anything on those no and i think i wouldn't i just go ahead or wouldn't i wouldn't shouldn't we just throw the entire series of uh 82 83 all-stars in that bunch just because they all move at different levels but they all consistently move yep there's really no issue moving uh an all-star unless you're like you're, you're putting up a, you know, a curtain heading, you know, cards like that for uh, $10,000 off the gate. Yeah, you're not going to move that quickly. But sure. I mean, if those are all good, all of it's good. Yeah, um, I mean, we're talking now that you say that, like I've looked at sold listings and I'm seeing Colonel Buck Robley or Polish Power Ivan Putsky. And like those guys are moving. And again, yep. it's at different rates, different grades, raw, whatever it is, but they're constantly moving. And that's the whole process of liquidity that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing I wanted to go to was 85 Tops Hogan. Again, the one or the 16, I believe it is, with yep. the blue back. Yep. Like, those seem to just go over and over and over. And I've actually heard some people say that, like, that card sitting in a showcase at card shows actually draws more attention than some of the All-Stars, than some yeah. of the sports cards, because it's just an iconic image and an iconic shot. Once again, with the All-Stars, you could say the same thing with this Hogan, like, you know, whether it's raw, whether it's the one or the 16, whether it's in a BGS, SGC, PSA, you know, it doesn't matter. These cards are selling all the time. Thoughts? And, and unlike the, the All-Stars, where we can include the entire set, it's pretty much, in my opinion, just those two cards in the 85. It's just those two Hogans. Yeah, there, there's some, like, I think, isn't isn't Piper in the 85? He, and like, he you is. would think that's, because that's one of his first cards, but it just doesn't move like the Hogan stuff does. Correct. Unfortunately. Uh, Next thing I want to talk about, and I know you'll probably be uh, pretty, you'll probably just be nodding your head to this, and that's the big four rookie cards in the 2002 Fleer Royal Rumble. Randy Orton, Batista, John Cena, who else am I? Brock Lesnar. That's the one I just sold to Fitterman, speaking of name dropping like I'm some big shot. But uh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Hey, you're a recent 2022 and Hall of Fame inductee. So. That is true. That is true. And I actually, I haven't talked about this because I don't know if it's still happening, but I may have my own trading cards coming out in a set that I am not producing. Nice. So stay tuned for that. However, let's talk about these rookie cards. 
the thing that I think really pushes these is not only is it a big, quote, rookie class within the set, but this is something that the wrestling card hobby has seemed to come together on, which never happens, and has decided these truly are these players' rookies cards. Mm-hmm. And you see these moved all the time. Again, no matter if it's raw, no matter if it's graded, no matter if it's, uh, you know, the market's down, the market's up. It doesn't matter. People are going out and buying these. Fitterman is clearly going out and buying these because he's got that Brock signing. At the time of this recording, again, it's probably already happened by the time that we're doing this. But uh, thoughts on those big four? No. I mean, you can't go wrong there. It's like that. I think some of those are not going for what they should, but that's that's could be said about any card uh, these sure. days. But, um, yeah, I mean, they go every time you see them. I I don't research them all the time because I'm not in that I'm not in that side of mm-hmm. what I do for WTC. We're not about pricing kind of stuff. Um, but when I do see them, I see them pretty much consistently selling all the time in various prices too. But sure. they still and sell. Actually, something we could touch on too is uh, I believe you and Paul on the what's going on with wrestling card segments. Aren't you guys uh, charting the kind of the the complete set of this which is funny because by the time this comes out our monthly recap for september will have already come out and mm-hmm. i'm sure i'll be dealing with issues from that that conversation but <laughs> um stay tuned um if you haven't checked it out check it out now because yeah. um, wtc tv on youtube yep uh we we might be dropping that from our list because the 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 frequency of sales for the uh, o2 royal rumble set is just almost non-existent now Wow, that's interesting. Um, it's gone now five straight months where it's either been in the first couple of months, they were only master sets sold, meaning that it was just the base set plus uh, all the inserts, but no autographs so like that, just the mm-hmm. inserts. Um, and those were only selling as a master set, uh, whereas and not just a base set or we don't track the singles. We were tracking just sure. the set to see how it was moving. And this last month for September, zero. There were think, zero Royal Rumble sets. Do you think sold. it's an availability thing? Do you think people maybe are buying these, pulling out the big four and grading them? I, like- I think so. There's a combination of that um, and uh, just uh, supply. I don't think there's a whole – granted, there was you know, no short print of that product, but you know, as much as that's been p- pumped and hyped for the last couple of years now – uh, it doesn't surprise me that we're not seeing as many. You're going to find singles being sold. You're going to mm-hmm. probably you're going to find the Brocks and the Rant and the Ortons and the Batista and the Cena. You're going to find those being sold um, fairly regularly. But as far as trying to find a complete set of those things, which have been averaging about two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollar price range for a set, um, which is crazy for a base set, right? Yeah. Um, especially a FLIR product, um, and it's just they're not being sold anymore. So that tells you something about that product. Yeah, I think maybe also, you know, the talking about the availability, I, I think we've talked about this before in our FLIR years, but I, I'd say that the availability of it also has to do with just, it, it's a lower print run than what many other like segments of the hobby are used to. Sure. And even though me and you and some other people in the wrestling card hobby, like we see these cards everywhere, just because we see them everywhere doesn't necessarily mean that they were massively overprinted. Because it's wrestling, it always has a less print run than anything else. Well, it, it tells me also that the hobby's growing because uh, that's in, true. in 2005, six, right around when Tops took over uh, at the time, uh, so Fleer was out, there was a time I had probably 30 to 40 sets, 30 to 40 sets of Royal Rumble because I had gotten so many 5,000 count boxes from uh, an old uh, seller on eBay back in the day. Um, 
and I had so many. I couldn't even sell them. I was I was supplying my local uh, non-sport uh, dealer over at the Frankenstein Collectibles show. I was supplying him, you know, wrestling card sets at wholesale, and I was selling him for seven to ten dollars a set. And they would go sporadically here and there, it's like that. But I had so many of them. Now I have none. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and you don't find them anymore, which is maybe that's because people are either hoarding them or um, they're just they're moving. I mean, I, people want want those four cards. Mm-hmm. All right. Last on my list that I had is gold parallels of anything, whether that's finest, whether it's prism, whether it's select. I've seen a lot of hype around the select stuff lately, but it just you know mm. it, a lot of a lot of people like see the stuff I put out there, like I get tired of seeing gold this, gold that, gold everything. It's not because I think the cards are bad. It's just it goes into that kind of group mentality thing. I'm a huge 82, 83 All-Stars fans. Sneak, secret, sauce. I think the same thing about those. I get sick of seeing them all the time. And even though it's one of my favorite sets, it is my favorite set. I, I get tired of seeing them, just like gold, the gold refractors. It's not that they're bad cards. Clearly, I, I have them. It's just that I get sick of seeing them. That being said... We see them move all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. Gold sells all the time, no matter if it's like, you know, Tazawa that I don't even think he's with WWE anymore. And some people listening to this may not even know who he is, whether it's a gold prism from one of those NXT UK guys that nobody's heard of, or whether it's a Hogan or a Rock or Steve Austin, whatever it is, even gold parallels, the paper gold parallels of AEW series, the series one. Like those sell really well, and there's a lot of popularity built in behind them. Gold just sells. Thoughts? Are we talking? And you're, now you're specifically really talking about gold in the more modern, modern type stuff. Because Anything. we have we have golds in, in Fleer product that never, that don't sell. Yeah, and I think that's because I think it's a like even tops paper gold sells. So I think it has to do with the product itself. So maybe you're right that the Fleer or like if like even um let, let's replace pink or purple in those classic parallels with gold those may not sell very well but it just seems like the tops and panini stuff of all gold whether it's paper and specifically the shiny stuff does really well just like everything else we've talked about different names at different prices some are graded some are not but it just you're always seeing gold stuff move you're always seeing gold stuff posted on social media yeah true Anything else you would like to touch on of something you've seen, like liquid cards in and out all the time that we haven't touched on yet? I mean, you got to throw anything from the rock era, you know, from rock stuff back then. I mean, yeah. that stuff moves consistently, no problem whatsoever. I, you know, especially if for as rare as people like to make it seem be uh, for that uh, 98 comic images rock autograph card, there seems to always be one, two or three of them up there at, at any given time. Yeah. Uh, and they're always moving, always. Yep. There's nothing about. I mean, so that could be thrown in there. Um, I mean, that's pretty much what I got in those. I mean, uh, outside of like, we're not going to be talking about one of ones and things like that. And no. Transcendent. Well, we're going to get and, into that actually in this least liquid topic. Yeah. And let's move we'll segue right. <laughs> actually, into that. transcendent. That's another good one you just mentioned. Like anybody yeah. in that set, any of the autographs, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's a, you know, a fifty dollar card or a five thousand dollar card. Like transcendent seems to have kind of I'm gonna say it's like eclipsed almost every other release that Tops has put out. Like the the collector base around that is just huge. And the, don't is. get me started on the superfractors. Like there's a whole different avenue for that. Yeah. And it just seems like um 
It wasn't. I don't think the transcendent stuff was what it was when it came out originally no. either. It was still it was a high end thing, but then it became like this very affordable for the price point that it came out at product to mm -hmm. go buy. You can pick off singles of things that you wanted for an affordable price, and so people are just flipping and flipping and flipping and flipping, and it just seems like it does sell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, from a if you want to check out one of the best cards in there, go to my YouTube channel and check out Drake Drake's PC. It's got the Vince McMahon Superfractor, and we tell the story about what went into that as far as like how he justified a dollar amount for purchasing that based on purchasing cases and cases of that. So make sure to check that out if you're interested. But let's go ahead and move on to the least liquid. Steel. He got it for a steal. I, yeah, I, I still think so. I've been, I, you know me, I've been hyping up the Vince chain for quite a while. Not that he's <laughs> selling that card, but that's actually a good uh, example that we can use while we're talking about the least liquidity. What we're talking about here is cards that don't sell, don't transact. Maybe that's because they're not very popular. You know, it's like maybe you want, you don't want the Johnny B. Bad 1995 base cards. What? That's not very liquid. Then it, actually, you know what? That actually is probably more liquid than what we're going to talk about, which. It's a weird dynamic that we have talked about offline is how people clamor for these cards. Oh, I want that gold. I want that super fractor. I want that PSA 10. But yet, whether I get it, you get it, somebody else gets it and say, puts it on Twitter, puts it on eBay, puts it wherever. And it says, hey, I've got this available. I'll take trade. You know, I'll take, you know, $200 of under comps. Nobody is interested. And before we start talking about some of these cards, that's just like this weird etiquette thing that I'd like to touch on. What do you think about that? It's weird. Uh, that's all I have to say. It's weird. It's frustrating too because like uh, it makes me not want to get on social media to try to sell anything um, and just put it in a store, you know, uh, for a fixed price and wait for the person to come along and pay my price for it, um, whether it be a fair price or not. I mean, I don't yeah. get it. I don't. I just don't get the mentality. It's like almost where people want something. Everybody wants something for the least they can. Uh, they have to put out for. I, mm -hmm. I get that. Sure, but. You know, when I'm trying to offer you something that you've been clamoring and clamoring and clamoring, I want this card, I want this card, I'm looking for this card, I PC this person, I want it, I want it, I want it. Uh, and then you tell them what a price is on it, it's like that. They go, oh, well, I'm not paying that. Yeah, even if the price is, again, several hundred dollars under what a comp would be sure. or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I'm i a Loomis guy, so I get uh, quite often people send me links to like, you know, these Loomis cars. And I go, yeah, but that's like, that is grossly overpriced. Or you know what? That's a great deal. I'm jumping on it. That's how I've been able to get some great cards from Loomis stuff because people are looking right. out. And, uh, you know, I'm on a tight budget, so I make no bones about it. But, uh, you know, especially when you get these guys out there, you see them buying all the other stuff, but then you throw something at them that they're looking for. And they're like, oh, I don't want that. I, I can't, I'm not paying that. I'm like, well, what, what do you want it for, man? I, I mean, everybody else saw them for 200 bucks. I'll give it to you for 100 and you want yeah. it for 25 Right. <laughs> I think we should also touch on, you talked about Loomis, that we should also include when we're talking about the least liquid cards, be mindful of these things that we're talking about when you're buying something, no matter what that is, whether it is me and Tony buying Cross and Loomis cards because we like them, we collect them, and we're not planning on selling them. So we're not concerned about liquidity or yep. what our value or grade or anything like that. But there are people, I think, out there that we've talked about that are buying something to flip, buying something as an investment. We talked about a bunch of the most liquid. Well, maybe these kind of cards that we're going to mention a few of here are cards that maybe you need to be careful of and really think about it. Because if you're going to spend $1,000, $2,000 or more, whatever whatever it is, is, maybe $50 is a lot to some of you out there. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Just be mindful about what you're spending because... 
if there was something to happen and you needed that money back and you needed to sell it, you may not be able to get that amount out of it. You may not get any amount. There may be no interest based on. So something to be mindful, I think, that we need to talk about more just when we're buying stuff as a collection and being mindful of how often it sales and when you can get out of it. So mm -hmm. um, obviously you can put it up for a 99 cent auction and get whatever it gets, but you know, you're generally, you're really going to take a loss. Like I picked off a uh, carrying cross one-on-one platinum from NXT this week for $27. I That's mean, awesome. cause, cause it was an auction. I mean, I, I just don't, you know, people are leaving themselves out high and dry on the auctions, but let's talk about some liquid cards. Um, mention the Vince McMahon super fractor transcendent auto. That's a card that, it's, I mean, let's just be honest. It's out of the price range and out of the ballpark for a lot of people that would be interested in the wrestling card space. That's super high end. And that's going to be something that, you know, I don't think there, there's probably a few like really deep pocket collectors out there that are not wrestling card collectors per se. They might have interest in that. But outside of that, that card is not going to have a lot of demand on eBay or, you know, unless it's one of those accounts that are stealing people's cards and putting those up on eBay. We've had yeah, a lot yeah. of that happen lately. But I think people really need to be mindful when you're thinking, you know, we, myself and others, uh, we, you know, we kind of preach, go after the rarity, go after the scarce cards. Those are what's going to hold value, blah, blah, blah. But again, think of your entry price. You know, if you're going to buy a parallel, black parallel out of 10, uh, gold out of 10 prism, something like that, really think about you know, are you truly buying this to collect it? How long do you want to hold it? Can you financially do this without putting yourself in a bind? Because I can tell you firsthand, I have purchased a lot of cards that are kind of in this realm. And it was a PC item, you know, something I wanted. And I had it for a year. I had it for six months or whatever. I, it's not like I bought it to flip, but I just bought it because I thought, well, this is a cool card. But then when I put it out there in comps compared to other cards of other talent that are in the same ballpark. It was just like, there was no interest. And some yeah. of those cards I've still been sitting on for a year or two years. And, you know, they're just sitting on my eBay store with not even a, Hey, I'll give you 25 bucks. It's just no interest, even though sometimes they are big stars. So do you feel like maybe like, maybe when you're doing like, I'm going to ask you, did you feel like when you bought that card originally then, um, did you, I mean, you normally do all your homework. Do you feel like maybe you, that you overpaid at the time or did you get a deal at the time you thought? Neither. I think it was kind of a 50-50 thing. I was like, I think this is a good store of money, but I also just love this card, so I don't really... Okay. So you bought, sudden... you, you bought out uh, mostly out of nostalgic uh, purposes that you liked it for whatever yeah. reason. Because um, I, I, I say the same thing. I, I I would throw all these color blasts in there in that same realm. Mm -hmm. uh, that These are the same kind of like least liquid type of cards because they're just so... And if I difficult was gonna, to move, if I was going to spend that much money on a color blast personally, like hypothetically, let's say this next round of Panini products cross has a color blast. I'm going to be buying that to put in my collection. Sure. And, you know, I have to be mindful of what is overpaying and, you know, what is something I'm willing to just essentially it's not a zero sum game because, again, I can always throw it up for 99 cents if I had to. But it's like, what am I willing to sink this money into to sit in a box for, you know, potentially forever? So it's just something that people need to be more mindful of, I think. Because mm -hmm. we, you know, you see, you see all this promotion about, uh, you know, especially in sports cards, like, oh, this gold sold, this black finite one of one sold, this rookie patch auto sold, and I think a lot of people, myself included, sometimes think that we can do that with wrestling, and it just doesn't always work like that. And we also have to take into consideration changes in market dynamics. Like, 
the wrestling card hobby is bigger and better than it's ever been. We've got more collectors, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to have the funds and, and, you know, be willing to put down that money for these super yeah. rare cards. So, yep. Anything that's coming to top of mind that you can think of when it comes to that kind of stuff, like maybe the, the rare cards or items or something you've seen that people go crazy for, but maybe be careful with. No, I, I think it's, and it's mostly a modern thing too, though. It's not really so much vintage. That's a good I point think. actually. Yeah. I, because I think it's it, more modern stuff than anything else. If you look back at what we just talked about outside of the gold parallels, all that stuff is vintage stuff. Yeah. The, the more liquid stuff. So I'm not, I'm not saying just go buy vintage. I'm, this isn't, you know, this is no, 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 but show, I mean, but. because there, there's, there's a lot of great modern stuff out there too. It's just a matter again, of like everything else doing your homework and, and, and like the points that you made too, like, you know, how long are you willing to let this sit in your collection? Uh, if it's something that you're buying outside of your normal lane where like, you know, I like it because I like that superstar or I think it's a, uh, a great looking picture or it just looks so cool. Um, you know, it, it, I could use this as, you know, something to, uh, for trade bait or to flip later for, to invest in something I really want to have. Um, it's just important to make sure you're doing your homework on that kind of stuff and how much you're willing to spend. Never break the bank, man. Never go outside whatever your budget is. And plan ahead. You know, right now, as we speak, I'm like mentally and financially planning ahead on my spending for what kind of cross Panini stuff is going to come out, yeah. you know, and that's not, and, and I've also learned my lesson as far as you know, wait, unless it's, uh, you know, let's say hypothetically, it's a gold out of 10 or lower on the on the numbered parallel side. If those things come out at launch, I'm going to have to pay the piper because, yeah. you know, I'm not going to pass up. But, you know, if there's a two out of 299 out of 199 a flash out of whatever. Sure. Like, wait you know, yeah, wait. I've learned my lesson on that from buying past cross cards. So uh, I can wait on those. But again, it's something I'm financially and mentally having to plan ahead for. And I just don't think a lot of people do that. They just, you know, oh, squirrel, oh, new shiny thing. Let's buy it. Let's buy it all. And the next thing yeah. you know, they're broke and they're selling their collections for pennies on the dollar. Yep. And that's kind of where I'm at with my Loomis stuff. I get a message all the time about this one of one up there or one number to 10 kind of thing. And I'm like, even for those, like... If I miss out on them, I miss out on them. But I, I have my on my watch yep. list. Um, I constantly keep monitoring to them. I mean, I went through this uh, with um, one of the, uh, I think it was a select card. I was it select? No. I mean, I can't remember what it was now. I, you know what? I have it right here in my drawer. <laughs> it was select. So I was uh, interested in picking up this card right here, which is a uh, you know numbered five of five, um, and person wanted it was grossly overpriced and i just um sat and i waited i'm like that's fine i'll wait and i'll wait and i'll wait and he finally put it up for auction and i got yeah. it for a fraction of what he actually was trying to get from the beginning because i wasn't going to play the game yep. just because you know it, it's it's a detriment to you as well when people know that you are a super collector of somebody <laughs> yeah so, so they, they use it against you or they'll hold it hostage against you sometimes other times people are just happy to see it in your collection like I'm happy to let this go to you because I know you appreciate carrying cross stuff. It's going to go to you. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of both ends kind of thing. So um, just kind of wait, you know, but we're kind of getting off topic, but. Uh, no, I think, I think that's just part of an element that ties into, you know, the, the making cards, not as liquid is just a lot of these things need to go into that. The other thing I want to touch on, and this is an, you know, we just touched on the Royal rumble complete set and how you're not yeah. seeing I, I think we're at this point where complete sets are not as liquid as they used to be. And what I mean by that is I have actually had for my eBay store, quick plug again, 
Um, I've had complete sets and I'll put the complete set on eBay and I'll put it for, you know, 20, $30 under comps and it sits and it sits and it sits. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try a different strategy. Let's break these up and let's sell them as singles. The whole base set, the complete run as singles. And I'll end up selling, you know, 60, 70% of those singles and make more money off that than I did the complete set. It's a yep. very strange thing. And I think that, you know, that is the, I remember like growing up in junk wax era with sports cards. It was like, buy the complete set, put it away. And then it's going to put you through college. Yeah. And I think there's a little, <laughs> that, that, that mentality is kind of carried over. I'm not putting down base set collecting because if I was to do that, I would have to put down my cross collecting or Loomis collecting. So it's in that same realm. I just think that you need to be a little bit more mindful because if you have a 98 rock comic images base card even like a psa 6 or raw or whatever mm -hmm. you're going to be able to move that a lot better than you are a complete set yep. so it's, it's just something i wanted to touch on for anybody out there that's you know going after hard after complete base sets which is sad to me in a sense too because i mean back when i was heavy heavy into collecting i was always a i was a set collector mm -hmm. so that's what i went after um, but you know, I was also not someone who was buying base sets completed for me. I was completing my own base sets because I was cracking open cases, sure, um, and uh, and selling off what I didn't want. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's a different it's a different era now in the in the card community. It really is. So, uh, Panini's changed that for for us. Um, I don't think Upper Deck was too out, out out of the realm with how they do things. I mean, it was still very topsy type stuff where you know the levels of parallels they had and stuff, but um and we, we we do that in our monthly recaps with paul so like that where we see that that base set price is now in that 25 dollar price point you know um and they're, they're selling consistently we have at least nine consistent plus sales every every month so it's easy for us to track that those sales but you know base set collecting is just um it, it is a dying breed of collectors out there in a sense but um i think most of those guys anyways aren't looking to move anyways they're just they're collecting yeah. the collecting add to their so there's really never been a whole lot of like it's not a very liquid asset to have anyways <laughs> yeah it's just something you're it's something you you're keeping it and you're done with it kind of thing and, and if you move it you're moving it as a set to somebody else whether it's a gift or it's you know probably at a loss to whatever you paid for it's not something that would you're not looking for to make money off of yeah uh, like i i said that a lot of that stuff is in my ebay store i end up when i buy out collections or buy bulk a lot of times there's multiple complete sets in these things and it's easier for me to just break them out you know and sell them as singles but we've talked a little bit already about how you can kind of manage uh, you know how do you justify making these purchases and balancing that act between liquidity and non-liquid stuff i like to buy like a lot of liquidity stuff that is i know i can get a good deal on on the entry point on the cost mm -hmm. to then fund the non-liquid stuff you know and, and yeah. just keep it because that's a safe way to do it i always have the money from the sales of the, of the stuff i know will sell whether it's a dollar or a, you know a hundred dollars but then over here i get the fun stuff that i get to collect that you know i don't really plan on selling it anytime soon so what difference does it make whether it's liquid as we're closing out i want to get your opinion on this because this is something that i think is it, it, it kind of blends both worlds and we haven't touched on it yet. The AEW metal set that's coming out, mm -hmm. it's going to have the PMGs and card foundation guys interviewed Billy from upper deck. And mm -hmm. he talked about how the PMGs are going to have the traditional lineup 
as the old school basketball ones had, which was only number two, I think 99 or 100, with the mm -hmm. first 10, I believe, are the green. I, I get this confused all the time. It's There's so many that are green, there's so many that are red. We've mm -hmm. seen other precious metal gems come out that are, you know, blue, gray, pink, you know, whatever you want to call. So we know that there's this built-in demand for PMGs and AEW. What, but again, we just talked about how maybe some of the demand for some of these things means that, hey, if I buy this card, I'm kind of stuck with it. Where do you think's gonna, the rubber to the road, so to speak, on this release as far as liquidity and popularity? I it's don't know. Tough, it's tough. It is tough. I think most of these collectors, one, aren't understanding of what PMGs are to begin with. Uh, yeah. it's, not with it's not within their realm. Um, Two, um, that's a tough call. It really is a tough call to figure out how people are going to re react to this. Um, and, and, you, and you know those, those cards are going to go from, for, for crazy overpriced market values right out the gate. And I, I don't know if waiting on, well, and again, if they're numbered to 99 or 100, uh, 199, it's not like there's, they're super limited. Um, well, that, that, but that's the thing, like that, like, I, I think it ends up being limited based on, I mean, we saw the kind of backlash to the autographs and the hobby boxes. Yep. But then if you go look at those autographs now, even the lower tiered guys are selling for, you know, more than you would expect because of the rarity of it. I don't know. Are they? Is AW uh, autograph cards selling? Because I remember when that stuff came out the gate, guys were trying to get dotted lines for $4,000, $5,000. No, no. Well, what I'm saying is like, if you compare a tops release to say, you know, a big E auto, as opposed mm -hmm. to in AEW, maybe it's a Billy Gunn auto or something like that. I think they sell for better just because there's not as many of them out there. Maybe. And I, I don't really monitor the pricing on AEW stuff. I kind of, but um, I, I, when I do go through and look through some stuff, and I'm, if I'm looking for Luma stuff and somehow, some way, something upper decky uh, shows up there in my, yeah. my search for some reason, um, I just kind of go, oh, that's kind of intriguing. I That's kind of selling kind of low, I think, or... I don't know. I, I don't see anything that's overly valuable right now in the AEW market right now from the cards. I, maybe that's just I, me. I think the PMGs like on the surface are going to be really big, but I, I just want to see what the fallout of that is because it's like you said, I don't know that there, I mean, come on, we, we look at that Hogan PMG. It's one of the biggest cards in wrestling right now. And so many, it's people also are, Hogan though, too. There, there isn't a Hogan in AEW. That's true. Yeah. And so that's a factor. I, I mean, like, maybe, maybe MJF's going to be your big one. Probably. Probably um, one of them, yeah. Probably going to be your biggest one. Jericho, I'm, I'm I can say, could be a good, pretty good one. Maybe even Sting. Um, you know, who knows? <clears throat> but uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think you're going to see what the market is going to be like in that first month to two months after it gets released. Right. That's what I'm going to be interested in seeing. I, I, I want to see if people are going to, you know, out the gate, they're going to be probably asking for a grand, two grands like that for these v, uh, P, PMG cards. I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen in. Let's say it came out this week. I want to know what it's going to be like in January. Yeah, good call. Yeah, that that would really. And then you see how many of these are shilled and how many of them are transacting. Yeah, these liquid are they not? You know, that's not going away. That shill bidding thing and this, and this uh, <clears throat> pumping up of values like that. That's always been here. Yeah, it's it, and it's not going anywhere. It's just not. I mean, yeah, it's just. I don't know why people are treating it like it's a new thing. It's not new. It's been going on since the the days that I was, you know, using eBay on the regular back in the early two thousands. 
All right. Well, I hope we helped you guys today. I hope this is just some, you know, spitballing some topics and discussions that I think a lot of wrestling car collectors need to hear more of. We hear this all the time in sports. It's actually where I learned a lot of my kind of go-to information is listening to sports card podcasts, applying that to how I would do wrestling cards. It doesn't always work, but like probably 90% of the time, the logic is still sound. So -hmm. that's what we're hoping to do to you is take that information and convey it to you, the wrestling card collectors. As we get out of here, Tony, let everybody know where they can find you. Anything else you got going on or anything else you want to say? Uh, just WrestlingTradingCards.com. Not sure if anybody's heard of it before, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it exists. It's there, I can assure you, growing every day. Uh, so WrestlingTradingCards.com. Uh, how to reach us and follow us on all social media platforms that we're a part of. It can be found at the bottom of every page of, uh, of the entire website. And you had also mentioned, uh, we had mentioned YouTube channel, WTC on YouTube. Yeah. Like definitely great channel, a good variety of, you know, market discussion and guests and, you know, indie indie card promoters and, you know, all. Well, I hope by the time this comes out, by the time this comes out, I've got a couple of good guests that I'm hoping to really have on uh, to talk about some of the, uh, the old days of wrestling cards, maybe even a CEO president of a company at one time. Teaser. Teaser. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me on all social media platforms at Zan Morning. But what you should do is check out my YouTube channel, Wrestling With Cards on YouTube. That's my main hub of all the content. I also do the Wrestling With Cards podcast, which I try to get out as much as possible. Unlike this show, where we do our best to try to not skip any weeks, I unfortunately don't have the time to do every single week over there. Maybe someday I'll get back to it. But uh, if you guys enjoyed this video today and it brought you some value, please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this on. Share, share, share. Absolutely. Like we continue, me and Tony have seen the, 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 you know, kind of what we've created here has grown an audience. And when I mean listening audience, sure. But I also mean like, you know, we've had people tweet us and get messages like, hey, I just bought my first wrestling card because I was listening to you guys and it sounded yep. like fun and I wanted to get into it. That's the whole reason we started doing this. That's why we're and we're seeing to. more and we're seeing more content being put out. Other people putting out their own shows like that, which I, I love seeing as well. You know, everywhere from like here within the states where we're at to people overseas are putting out wrestling card content in their market, which is so cool. Yep, yep. We've got people in China now, and we've got the UK. And yep. anybody listening to this, if you ever thought about talking about your collection, maybe you're a super collector, you want to start a YouTube channel or an Instagram page dedicated to that collection do it like that's how we learn like getting the word out there about cards and sets and and buying this and not buying that and again liquid and not liquid that's how we just grow this whole thing is spreading information so until next week which hopefully we don't get hit with a monsoon our power all works and uh, don't all, talk about that <laughs> we will all be here to record another episode we'll see it